a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's Editorial Director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this guide to Melbourne. Today, our resident dessert correspondent, Broadsheet Food and Drink Editor, Audrey Payne, is here to chat omelette-style souffle pancakes in the CBD. First, though, we are heading to St Kilda, where, downstairs at the Stokehouse's more casual diner, the wine list looks a little different to others around Melbourne. Stokehouse Pasta and Bar has a $79 fixed price wine list. When Broadsheet's Publications Director Nick Collin found out about this, he was very excited. He joins us today to talk about it. Welcome, Nick. Hello. Why do you think this is such a genius move? I'm a simple man. I don't like things that involve friction or too much choice or complicating things. You work with me. You know this. Yeah. This wine list is so cool. Every bottle is $79. They're all awesome. You just make a pick. You don't even have to think about price. So tell us about the reasoning behind this and the fact that Stokehouse Pastor and Bar felt this is something that they could actually do. Will Martin, who's the sommelier there, he's been upstairs at Stokehouse, the big mothership restaurant, for five years. Um, And like a lot of us, he goes out with friends and working in the wine industry, his knowledge is, you know, amazing. The people that he goes out with don't necessarily have that knowledge. So there's a bit of a disconnect. And I think we all have that. Some people are more into wine than others. Some people know more than others. And it leads to this kind of difficulty with with making choices and making sure that everyone's happy and everyone feels comfortable paying the same amount, you know? And also not really knowing what the difference in price means. Yeah. Does it mean a better quality wine? Like why has something been given an $89 price point versus a $60? It might make sense when you start getting into bottles that are over $100. But I think in that other area, you might think, why should I choose this and why should I not? Yeah. And so he was having that problem a lot when he was out with friends. And so it was kind of created to solve a problem that he had. And he said to me, he goes, I hope more places do this so that when I go out, that friction is taken away. But also he did make the good point, um, as you're alluding to with price. He said to me, you know, we've gotten into this situation where we're judging things by price rather than actually looking at them and going, that's that's the style I want to drink. That's the region I want to drink. We look at it and we go, oh, tonight I feel like spending this much. Should I get the one that's $5 extra, $10 extra, $20 extra? This just takes all that out of the equation. It makes everything so simple. When you spoke to him about then selecting the wines, did that change his approach at all? There's definitely big swings and roundabouts in the way wine lists are priced. So one insight that I've got from speaking to a lot of Psalms is that um, some of the more obscure bottles or the ones that are just a harder sell, I generally have a lower margin on them because they're not going to ship as many. Whereas a big name wine or something that's really popular and kind of accessible will generally have a bigger markup because they know that a lot of people are going to choose that. So there's swings and roundabouts in there. And the same is true with this list. And a really interesting point actually is that some of the bottles on there are basically cost price. So they're at such a small markup that Stokehouse is not making any money on them. So if you kind of somehow manage to choose right, you're getting a bottle and basically drinking it at wholesale price, which is really cool. That's what I thought. There's going to have to be in there some bottles that are incredibly good value. Yeah, there are. And the thing that really kills me about this list in a good way is that all the bottles on there are amazing. So, you know, if you're kind of a classic wine drinker and you want to drink from the great Australian wineries, you can do that. There's Shaw and Smith, Sav Blanc, Voyager Estate Chardonnay from Margaret River. You know, that's some of the best Chardonnay in Australia, probably from that area. Ocean 8, Pinot Gris. 
Early Bank non-vintage sparkling. And then if you're a bit new wave and you want to try some young wineries that are pushing the boat out a bit, you've got Dilworth and Elaine, who are a young winemaking couple from Macedon who won the Young Gun of Wine Award recently. Um, Garagiste, Ravensworth, San Giovese from the Canberra region, Gentlefolk from South Australia, and Manon, who are one of the top natural winemakers in Australia working without sulfur and farming organically and all that stuff. So it's an amazing list. What if you don't want to pay $79? They do have house wines as well. That's not as good a story though, is it? But the house wines are $50 a bottle uh, and cheaper by the glass as well. So yeah, there is that cheaper option as well if you want to do that. It's really exciting. It'll be interesting to see if any other venues pick this up, especially at a time when it's a cost of living crisis and people are thinking really, really carefully about that extra $5, 10 $15 that they're going to spend at a restaurant. Yeah. And the, I, I guess as a closing point, one of the interesting things he said to me is that it was a real uphill battle for him to get this approved by the executive team. They were finding it hard to wrap their heads around the idea. And I said to him, has it been an economic success? And he goes, yeah, the markups are maybe not as good as upstairs but people are choosing to buy that next bottle of wine because the process is so easy and Mm. people are having a better time. So I think it's worked out for everyone. Also love the idea that because they're all $79, the questions you're going to be asking are actually about the wine. You're going to learn a bit more because if everything's the same price, you might actually then say, well, what do I feel like drinking tonight? What's going to go with the pasta I'm about to order? As opposed to only choosing on price, which I think a lot of us do. We all do. And you can take a risk as well. You know, you can... You can choose the familiar bottle or you can go, well, this one's the same price. It doesn't matter. I'll choose the one that I've never heard of before. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Kumo Desserts was a pop-up and it's now turned into a permanent shop in the CBD. It specialises in souffle pancakes and specialty Asian drinks. Audrey Payne, our food and drink editor, is here to tell us about the new shop. Welcome, Audrey. Thanks, Katya. What is a souffle pancake? What a great question. Um, if people have spent, I want to say, any time on food, Instagram or TikTok, it's probably come up at some point. They're really fluffy pancakes, thought to come from either Hawaii or Japan originally, and they're just made with a lot of egg whites. They're really jiggly, really fun. <laughs> yeah, just super fluffy light pancakes. This is going to sound silly to people yeah. who know. Is it like one pancake? Or is it a stack of souffle pancakes? Um, I'm so glad you asked. Not silly at all because it depends where you go. So I think what is more common is a stack of round souffle pancakes. But actually, Kumo, this new store that's just opened, they specialize in what I've decided to call omelette style souffle pancakes. So they're folded in half. Souffle pancakes, according to Audrey. Souffle pancakes, colon, omelette style. Yep. So tell us a little bit about the history of Kumo. Mm. So Kumo started as a pop-up actually at the Night Noodle Market in Sydney and the founder, Jason Tan, then brought it to the Night Noodle Market in Melbourne. He did his own pop-ups in Brisbane and Perth, Um, actually opened a store in Perth called Kumo Kumo, which he's no longer involved in. And then um, earlier this year brought it to Melbourne and it's just called Kumo. Tell us about the space. It's in quite a, it's in an awesome location in the CBD. Yeah, it's um just near Melbourne Central. So it's really, you know, I have a lot of friends who hang out in that area and are kind of like 
I, I run with a lot of dessert fans. I'm always looking for somewhere to go get a dessert instead of a drink. So it's like they don't open till the afternoon. They're open at night. So it's a nice place to just kind of hang out if you're in that part of the city. It's quite a minimalist space. Like this is not somewhere mm. that you're going in and there's lots of stuff everywhere, lots of colour. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. Um, but it's cool because the Kumo team, I mean, people waiting in line outside might not like to hear this, but they were like pretty clear that they were happy for people to just come and hang out and you know, maybe catch up on some reading, maybe catch up on some muni work, have a pancake, have a um, taro latte while you wait. Like they're pretty open to that. So there are lines? There are already lines? There are already lines. I don't know if you saw the photos in the article, but I was kind of shocked when they came back. There were lines down the street. Um, to be fair, I think it might be partially because the pancakes take a while to cook, just being that souffle pancake, they take about 20 minutes. So, you know, it's not like a fast service. If you're not ordering pancakes, mm -hmm. I mean, and you might be a fool to yeah. not, but is there anything else on the menu in the food section? No. So it's, it's just the pancakes? just pancakes, yeah. With different toppings? Yeah, so they all have the same base except the team actually just last Monday brought in a pandan flavoured one. So that one's green, but they're all the same pancake base and they come with different really kind of over, a little bit over the top um, toppings. It's like a serious dessert place. So their bestseller is called the Boba Brulee. So it's got the tapioca pearls like you find in a bubble tea and then it's covered in a custard that's then torched. Um, they have a mango one. They have obviously, of course, one filled with Nutella. So yeah, that would be my, toppings. that'll be the one I go to. Mm -hmm. What about drinks? Drinks, they have specialty kind of Asian drinks. So they have something they call a bougie lychee drink. Everything's alcohol-free, but like quite over the top. And they also have matcha lattes and ube lattes. And they come with really cute bears and things on the, the top. So it's really good too if you're like, I don't know, wanting something for the gram. <laughs> They're really cute. You mentioned a little earlier, which mm -hmm. I think we should share with listeners, yeah. that Kumo uses slightly more butter than might usually be the case. Yeah, they actually use a lot more butter. So often souffle pancakes won't have butter. They use um, vegetable fat. So it's kind of like a chiffon cake if you've ever made one of those. Um, and the reason for that is if you whip egg whites, if you add fat, it actually causes them to like not hold the air as much. So they'll collapse more easily. So at Kumo, Jason, the owner, he actually went on what Claire, the writer, very creatively called a pancake pilgrimage um, across some countries in Asia and kind of tried every souffle pancake he could get his hands on, asked people for recipes, but he wasn't happy with the richness because, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes something looks really good on Instagram, it doesn't necessarily taste that good. So he came back and developed his own recipe and he added a lot of butter. So these pancakes are 20% melted butter and he uses cultured butter. So it's a really rich taste, but that's also the reason behind the shape. Because of the whipped egg whites, if you just kind of let them stay and do the round shape, which is more typical, they'll tend to collapse. Mm. So folding it over gives it the height without the egg whites just folding in on each other. This is like an architectural engineering yes. feat. Yes, it's a feat of um, from Jason. From Jason, exactly. Kumo Desserts in Melbourne is at 198 Little Lonsdale Street. It's open Monday till Sunday. Go in for your... Architecturally sound pancakes. Yes. Thanks, Audrey. Thanks. 
That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore Mel. I'll be back again on Friday, same time, same place. Chat then. Listener.